Okay, I'm just pulling. Sorry, guys, I'm just pulling up my notes here for for all the news. Uh -huh. Let's see here. I have all the actual articles open, so if we need to refer to them, we will. Uh, see, so you're way more prepared and professional than we are. Uh, Somehow, I doubt that. <laughs> no, no, Rob's right. No, yeah, he, he, he is. There it is. Okay. <laughs> This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Flurry, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, my name is uh, Robin O. I am joined wait, today. I thought you said it was Steve Barkley. No, yeah, just well, moments ago you said you were Steve Barkley. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> fake news, fake news. Uh, <laughs> joining me is the aforementioned Steve Barkley. With a cowbell. Uh, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Howdy. Does and not have a cowbell. <laughs> no, no, he cowbell. does not have a cowbell. And uh, we have a special guest sitting in with us today. Ryan, would you do the introductions, please? Joining us today is our longtime friend, Clement Chow. Woohoo! Hello! No cowbell either, but I have a Samsung that Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, tell us, guys, tell us a little bit. Where do you guys know Clement from? Steve goes way back. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, gosh. Oh, uh, Clement Clement was one of my camp kids back on uh, Bowen Island. Yeah, and he still talks to me. CNIB Technology <laughs> Camp. Well, more importantly, you still talk to me. <laughs> I, I, I believe Clement may have been the one who gave me the name Evil Steve. I did not give it to you, but I agreed. <laughs> who did give it to me? Who do I owe? <laughs> Yeah, those camps sounded like a, like they were a lot of fun. Oh, they were good times. Now, now CNIB does not run those anymore. Do they? I know, I know they they lost the Bowen Island property, but uh, do they do they do something similar to that now? Yeah, they, else? they've got a camp now. Um, uh, it's been running at uh, Sajak Ranch uh, up in uh, uh, just outside of Mission. Yeah. Right. Beautiful, beautiful camp. Um, fully accessible. It's got a pool. It's got a canoeing area got animals um oh wow so yeah have you been out there yeah, i went out there once uh just when uh, when they were first looking at the camp uh to see whether or not we could do a technology camp there and the answer was no because uh, they didn't have any kind of uh internet out there at the time and they, ah. and they weren't planning on getting any anytime soon either because animals so, don't need the internet apparently nope. not um, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, now I don't I don't know if they've added that on since then. That was a number of years ago, but uh, added but on I mean, what? Sorry. If they've added internet uh, out there since, but uh, well, see, here's here's the thing that from the two years that I went there as a volunteer, the volunteers had internet, but it was only in a certain literally it was a certain spot. Oh. Because it's internet in the bush which means that if you're not standing in this exact spot you won't get it right 
Now, with those camps, though, was was the technology component of that a fairly big component back when it was on Bowen Island? Like, is that kind of a big hole in the camp that that they they don't have a technology component? I, I don't think so as much anymore. Uh, I mean, back when we were doing those camps, when when we first started, we were teaching rudimentary Jaws skills, and uh, and then we got into uh, chat, uh, teaching MSN chat, which is where. Uh, some some guy named Clement couldn't remember to log himself off. <laughs> I don't know uh, what you're talking about. And uh, then once we got those guys on chat, they all started chatting back and forth. And the next thing we knew, they'd all turned into uh, music pirates. <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah, I remember that. And, I think somebody was, somebody might have started that. And I had, don't remember who it was. Yeah, and and, and that I, motivated everybody. So, so, so by the next year, everyone was a, a highly proficient computer user, <laughs> uh, pirating their black little hearts out. All because of the music, man. That's right. Um, I guess you know, sir. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. I think it's also partially the fact that now that it's not an age-separated camp anymore, mm -hmm. uh, where they kind of lump some and throw all the kids in together, um, it kind of voids any kind of space for technology because all the kids would have markedly different interests right. in terms of what they would want to learn. Um, if you had, if they still did a separated teen camp, it could probably be easier to organize a technology component because, you know, you can kind of generally figure out what teens want to learn about, right? Um, yeah. Even if you wanted to deep dive deeper into social media or like nowadays social media or video production or music production or whatever like you could you could delve into that except the problem is with the five to twelve year olds they probably won't care all too much about it right so there's really no room for it anymore i think well plus those those five to twelve year olds that are out there now i believe they came with technology skills straight out of the womb <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that may be true too. I, I think they basically it. pop out and start Stop. start using an iPad. Some of them were probably born with an iPhone in their hand. That's right. That's... Speaking of technology stories, I have a little bit yeah. of a, a testimonial to share with everybody. Oh okay. yeah. Yesterday, I came downstairs, turned my TV on, and I had no audio. Uh oh. Dun 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 dun. So I sat on the couch and went, "Hmm, what can I do?" So I grabbed my TV remote. Went up and down through the inputs because I kind of have them memorized. Still no sound. Unplugged the cable box, rebooted it. Still no sound. I thought, okay, who can I call? Ghostbusters. Well, I, I, I thought of that, but <laughs> I couldn't remember the number. So I thought, well, I don't have any neighbors nearby. But wait, why don't I install Be My Eyes and give them a call? Okay. So I installed the Be My Eyes app on my phone. Now, be my eyes. Remind me, that's a volunteer service. Yeah, it's uh, a volunteer service where essentially people connect you to, or you get connected to a certain somebody. Doesn't matter who it is. It's any old Joe who signed up to be a volunteer. Right. Um, and it's basically a a more centralized FaceTime call. Pretty much. Yep. And um, they have services and agents all around the world now. I think they yeah. saw recently like ninety thousand volunteers worldwide. Something like that. Okay. Wow. So I um, basically, and this is an them. app, right? This, this is, is an app, app yes. on my phone. Yes. So. It, is it available on Android and iOS? Yep. Okay. Yes. Okay. Continue. That's why Ryan has it. Yep. So I installed it, called the operator up, and I said, "Hi, you know, my name is Ryan. This is my issue. Can you help me?" She's like, "Absolutely." So I pointed my phone at the TV, and she's looking through the camera, she said, "Okay, well, the screen's black, 
but it looks like there's some writing down in the bottom left-hand corner. <coughs> so I moved my camera down there, and she says it says no signal. I went, okay, great. Huh. So that means I'm on the wrong input. So I hit the input button, and as I started moving up and down through the inputs, she was telling me, okay, that's HDMI 1, 2, 3. I said, okay, great. I want HDMI 3. So I selected that, and she says, okay, there's pictures on the screen now. I said, okay, that's probably my Apple TV. That's what I want. But I still have no audio. So I said, okay, well, at least I'm on the right input. So let me just check and see if my soundbar is turned on because it's always on, and somehow I guess it got turned off. So I turned the soundbar on, and lo and behold, I had audio. Oh, oh good. But without that being my eyes app, I wouldn't have been able to do all that diagnostic stuff and know actually what was on my screen. Right. So five stars to be my eyes. Give, give it a shot. Great volunteers, great service. Now that is a free app, yep, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yes, it's a free app. Very cool. And I, and I, I will, I will add, uh, it's great volunteers and great services most of the time. Hmm. Well, that was my first experience, and I, yeah. like I said, excellent rating. You literally, you literally get everybody from the most helpful people to kids who literally have nothing else to do. Oh, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, that's interesting. Maybe I might. Maybe I might volunteer for that. I wonder. I wonder what the like. I wonder if you can set it so that between you certain hours. You cannot set it. So as soon as you boot the app up, it connects you to the first available person. It doesn't matter who they are or oh, where they are. Oh, I see. So so, but if your app if the app isn't running, then you know you you don't get contacted. No. Yeah, no. As a volunteer, got, so you can, yeah. so you can pick your own you know times. You can be like, okay, I've got a couple hours. I'll. I'll uh, open probably, the app. Yeah, and, yeah. Delete, sit the app down on my phone and just leave it there and see it. who calls. Yeah, so that that does happen. That does work. Out. And I want to get them on the podcast and we can dive into Be My Eyes as well. Yeah, yeah that's great. That'd be that's... cool. It it was definitely a novel idea when it came out. Well, they've partnered with Microsoft Disability Desk now, so I don't think they're going anywhere. Yep. Well, it's a nice free option. Um, it, oh you know, yeah. In terms For of sure. you know, just you know, like Ira. Ira. Well, yeah. sure. I mean, it's very similar to Ira. You know, except it's it's free, obviously, and. Yeah. What's your take on it? What like is is well, it a, just as as good of a a service as Ira? It's it's basically it's like it's like comparing you know comparing cars right. It's like comparing a Ford to a Lexus, right? So essentially, Ira is you pay more for it, but you get what you pay for. The people who are on the other end are trained agents, um, right? And you know, there's there's methodology behind it. Where be my eyes is kind of the free budget alternative that says, okay, well, we're connecting you to a volunteer, but we don't know what they're like because sure. we're not regulated. Yeah, I mean, the more options for people, the better. To be honest, Absolutely. I mean, for sure, it's great. for sure. Yeah, you know, it's, I agree. It's um, I think I think Ira is fantastic. And the nice thing about Ira is because it comes in the form of glasses. Sure. Um, it's more. It's easier, I think, to line up a view of something. Yeah. Um, as opposed to trying to point your camera at something, because not every totally blind person, especially, is aware of yeah. how to angle their camera and whatnot, right? Sure. Sure. Um, so I think in that air, in that way, Ira is better in the sense that you know you get professionally trained agents as well as an easier way to line yourself up. But at the same time, be my eyes is just it's more convenient. And you know, for the for those of us who need it, you know, only once in a blue moon, it's nice not to have to pay for it. Absolutely. Yeah, I would think so. that Ira would be really appealing to you know people who are visually impaired that maybe travel a lot. Yeah. You know, I or could, people I could, who get out get out a lot. 
in right. general, right? Right. It would it would be nice to have that safety net if you know mm-hmm. that you know. Okay, I'm I'm going to be at the airport, and you know, I may, I may need like some help navigating to a gate yeah. or something. Well, and like for you know, for example, Ira would have been fantastic during my trip. Uh, I would have loved it, even if even if they couldn't read the sign, that's fine, as long as they can tell me what something looks like. Um, because I'm a fluent Japanese speaker, I can ask for directions and I can carry it on from there. But it would have been nice to have just somebody who could say, oh, by the way, there's something that looks like a train sign over there. There's something that looks like, you know, a there's some, some, an ad for whatever. So never mind. <laughs> I was gonna make I was, I was gonna make a joke. And I was like, "Ah, oh, shit! I'm just gonna have to edit that out if I make that joke." So forget it. I'm saving myself some work. That's okay. There's probably things you're gonna have to edit out anyway. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. It's a, that's always the case with us. Yeah. But no, definitely agree with what Ryan said. Uh, it's a plug for BMIs. Give it a shot. Uh, I used it to fix a broken computer. Um, so it definitely is very very handy when you need it. Yeah, I mean, I would think that even people who are subscribed to Ira, uh, I mean, there'd be no reason why not, why why to not have, um, be my eyes on your phone as well. Sure, you know, so sure. that if it's you can you can save some money there, right? If you're if yep. you're worried about using up your minutes. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, especially like you know, again, uh, you know, I really do feel like Ira is is his strength is when you're on the go. You know, as yeah. as yeah, something sure. mobility related. If you're at home, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really think that you would you necessarily need the glasses. Um, no, because you pretty much you could just know use your, your phone house, and you know your layout. You know yeah. what's what. So you know that's when you'd probably you know using something like be my eyes to save your to save your minutes. Yeah, would probably make the most sense. So, very cool. All right, hey Ryan, Rob, hey what uh, what the heck are we gonna do today? Well. Seeing that it's National Accessibility Week, we are talking news. Woo! 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 Not, not even just news, accessibility, accessibility news. Accessibility news. Accessibility news. Wow. Boom. Wow. Mind blown. Holy topical. <laughs> we know what we're doing. This isn't necessarily news, but I thought this blog article was interesting. The name of it is called Why I Won't Try On Disability to Build Empathy in the Design Process. It's by uh, Amelia Abreu. Uh, shout out. This has been a debate for a while, um, as I understand it. This was something that was pretty common 10 years ago, was it not, Steve? Are you talking about the use of simulators? Yes. Yeah, maybe tell, yeah, tell people what I'm talking about. Okay, so there's these vision simulator, uh, typically glasses or goggles that you can wear that uh, attempt to simulate what somebody with a visual impairment might see. Um, so it could be, you know, a big fuzzy... Um, view in the center to represent somebody with macular degeneration could be a little pinhole to represent somebody with say uh, RP Um, but um, there's a there's a number of different ones and uh, it's been a hot-button topic uh, for Mm -hmm. for a long time Um, you know there was a there was a point where uh, CNIB was was doing you know demonstrations using them all the time, and then people got up in arms about it. People from the community got up in arms about it and basically said, "Hey, you can't you, know, you can't give somebody a real experience of what it's like living as a as a blind person just by slapping on a pair of goggles and walking around for ten minutes." Right, right, and I mean, and that extends to you know many other disabilities too. I mean, I remember yeah. I remember being in college and seeing. 
you know, a bunch of a bunch of students, you know, in wheelchairs wheeling around and, you know, uh, you know, whatever program they were in, that was a, you know, it was a, a disability, sim, quote, disability simulation where it's just like, here's what it's like to have to drive around in a wheelchair for an afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all kinds of them um, out there. I don't know what side of the what side of the debate do you come down on, Steve? I certainly understand the the sensitivities around it. Um, I I think that um, the simulators do actually uh, provide insight to people, um, you know, because they they might not necessarily understand, um, you know, just a description of of what an eye condition might do. I think it really brings it home for them. Sure, um, it, it, it's I guess of limited use. As best I could put it. Yeah, well, uh, this article brought up a really good point that I'd never really thought of before. Um, and this is probably what the, the main argument against these are is that, <clears throat> and you alluded it to, it to it earlier, is that it, it, it's almost counterproductive it, because it almost, it makes those people who are going through that, that simulation, they don't have the context of having lived with that condition for years and years and years. And so they don't have all the all the methods and tools that somebody who's been living with that condition for years has. So it's a very, it's a kind of a fearful experience for them. And they take away from that. They go, Oh, well, geez, somebody who's blind. I don't, they, I don't know how they, how they function. Well, and that's, I think that's part of why it's so sensitive is that people are aware, especially, you know, the people who actually have the disabilities are aware of um, the fact that, it actually does the opposite of what it's meant to. Right. Um, and I think that's that at least for at least for the blind community that I've been part of, um, you know, that's that's kind of been disturbed about it forever. Is that well, you know, you can't you can't learn what it's like to live as a blind person in ten minutes or an hour or an afternoon. Right. Um, if you're gonna do something like that, you have to commit to it for at least a couple days. Full right? immersion. If, if not more, um, it's the same, you know, and so I think I, I agree with Steve. I think there's place, I think they have a place. Um, but I think it's very, cl- it's very important to clear, clarify the fact that this is not what it's like to live as a blind person. This is just something, it's a small representation of what has to be dealt with on a regular basis. Um, and it's, it's also important to emphasize the point that those people trying those simulations, you know, that you guys haven't lived this and you don't have the tricks and the little workarounds that people who have lived this for 20, 30, 40 years have found. Yeah. And, you know, and the point that the, the article makes, I mean, because, you know, certainly the article, you know, it recognizes that that these simulations have value and they're well-intentioned. Um, but sort of the solution that, that this article sort of brings brings forward is, you know, maybe instead of doing simulations like this, just spend time with somebody who's yeah. living with that particular disability. Well, and that would be a far more productive way to actually get some real insight. Well, it's, it's like a different form of full immersion, right? So like, you know, Steve, I, I was saying, you know, immerse yourself in it. You know, if you want to simulate it for yourself, um, you know, do it for a couple of days, but what's the next best thing, you know, get to know someone who's lived it 
and actually get to know them. Don't just look at them, see what you see on the surface and kind of leave it at that. Um, you know, it makes more sense to ask. And this is what I always tell people, um, you know, don't be afraid to ask because if you don't ask, you'll never learn and we'll get frustrated with each other and, you know, things won't get done. Um, so I, I would say I, I love the, I love the solution in this article because I think that's probably the best. I, I think it's the best one there is, honestly. At the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Fair. Yeah, I don't know. Did, like, does does CNIB? Uh, well, I mean, I guess none of us really know because we don't. We're not really around to CNIB these days. But I, I just wonder if, if they do still see... use them every now and then. Oh, do they? At pre at presentations or demonstrations. Well, and I think you know, um, like Steve said, I think Steve said. You know, the simulation will give you an idea of what somebody with macular, macular <clears throat> degeneration sees. Without yeah. that simulation, you have no idea. And, that's, and that's where it stops, you know. Yeah, and, and I think I think it's important to draw that line. Um, and that's where it really comes down. Like, CNIB uses it. Uh, I, I'm involved with Blind Beginnings, and I know we use it. And we use them every now and then. But we, we go out of our way to emphasize that this isn't actually what it's like. So, you know... Like I said earlier, it's that it's emphasizing the point that this is not what it's like. This is just a representation. Yeah, this is what uh -huh. it's like to see this way, but this isn't what it's like to live with this. Yeah, yeah, well put. You know, well put. And I, yeah, and I think I think depending on the presenter, um, some people forget to, which which I think is very dangerous. Some people forget to add that point. So I know when I whenever I present, if I ever use those, uh, which I have. I always point it out like that. Um, I don't always say it quite as eloquently as Ryan just did, although I might steal that now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, the idea is right, right? Because it's, it's fair, because you do want them to kind of have an idea of, you know, what their friends or their, you know, what their grandma or their grandpa might be seeing. But you don't want them to have the fear that, oh, man, I couldn't live like that. Yeah. Well, no, you couldn't, because you haven't lived like that for the last... 20, 30 years of your life. Yeah, no, exactly. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I think that's the, the biggest point in the article, too, is just that, you know, you don't want these simulations to actually backfire and make those people go away yeah. thinking that, you know, being visually impaired <clears throat> is, you know, is limiting because that's sure. you know, exactly the opposite message that sure. generally we want to send. So Yeah, and I think it's just important to clarify whenever you do use tools like that. Uh, let's see. What else do we have, fellas? Uh, hey, let's talk about Oath. Oath? Oath. Getty oh, Images. Yeah, this is Yay. cool. This, this, this came out last week. Oath, uh, which is a global media and technology company, whatever that is. Uh, they're partnering with uh, the National Disability Leadership Alliance and uh, Getty Images to start creating a collection of images that accurately portray individuals with disabilities uh, and breaks stereotypes. So finally, we'll we'll have some uh, some stock this um, is kind of photos alarm. that uh, that portray disability. You know, instead of like right now, they just have a bunch of models. They slap sunglasses on them and give them a cane and be like, "Okay, you're a blind person. Go." What what they're talking about trying to change is that a lot of times the you know people with disabilities are portrayed in a light that's and this is from the you know right from the article quote pitiful stereotypes of disability and what they want to do is is make both the 
the types of images far more diverse, but also portray them in more of a um, natural yeah. and you know and dynamic I, light to, I, I, to try I, to I break that. that stereotype. So I get that, but what my my question then is still, how do you do that with a stationary photo? Well, I think I think that. Um, if you if you were to go on to uh, an image site and do searches for uh, people with disabilities, you, you'd probably find one that, that there's very few photos. And the photos that you would find would be very, very focused around the disability specifically. Well, I'd, I'd um, actually be curious about that. Like if you did a Getty image search for visually impaired people, what would come up? You, well, you, it, that's exactly it. And I think the, the point here is that, like, and I'll, I'll try to sort of think of some examples. Like, you you know, if you, if you search for, say, you know, blind person, uh, you know, you might come up with somebody on a street with a white cane, like just standing there, or somebody with a guide dog walking down the street. Okay, uh, but so now, how is now, that? Well, I think the point here is that part of the things that they, they want to change is they want to have more diversity in that. So, you know what, they might instead have um, a blind person in an office environment or a blind person um, in an educational environment using a, um, a Braille display or, you know what I mean, something more dynamic that's, that's more, um, more than just... Oh, hey, here's a blind person. He's wearing sunglasses and he has a guide dog. And that's what that's what identifies a blind person. You know what I mean? So I think the, the idea here is to to really sort of to do away with the the standard vision of, of what, you know, what people with disabilities, um, what environment they, they normally sit in. So, so I just actually did a a Getty. I was image just going to ask Steve to do that. Yeah, and uh, read, read my mind. And so, for visually impaired, there are uh, forty six images available, which, for starters, is not a lot of images mm -hmm. when you uh, think about it. Uh, so the the top ones here, uh, we've got a guy uh, looking directly at the camera. Uh, he's got. Uh, let's see. It's not Stevie Wonder, is it? I got I got to zoom in on it. He's got uh, one eye that's looking forward, and he's got another eye that's uh, clouded over. Uh, the second picture is a girl looking up at the camera, a little girl, and both of her eyes are closed. Uh, <laughs> then there's a guy in a business suit beside another guy in a business suit. Uh, one guy is holding a white cane. The other guy is pointing to a piece of paper that he's holding in front of the blind guy, and I don't know why he would be pointing at the piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> then there's a picture of a guide dog at a crosswalk. Right. There's a picture of somebody's eyeball. I don't know why that in particular represents visually impaired. <laughs> there's a guy sitting reading Braille. Yep. Same, oh, same guy in the suit. Is that the same guy? Yep, that's the same guy. They must have done multiple, multiple shots. So... And one, he's got his white cane propped up beside him, and he's reading Braille. Another one, he's got his white cane, and he's rifling around in a bag. So I think in six months to a year's time, we need to do a follow-up and just actually well, see what the images have come out. And Yeah, and I, like. I'd be curious about that, too, because, I mean, right now, like, there aren't a lot of, neg like, images that I would, you know, get upset about. 
Well, let me let me read you guys this this one paragraph from the sent from one paragraph from the article. I gave I gave Rob time to defend his position. Which <laughs> listen, I don't like I don't have a I don't have a dog in this fight. Like I, I'm just telling you what the what the article saying. Okay, so quote. Many of the images of disability that are traditionally used in the media reflect only the heroic or the pitiful. Stereotypes of disability when disability is much more diverse. The disability collection will repicture disability in a way that is dignified, modern, diverse, authentic, and human. The project invites photographers to portray disability as a natural part of someone's identity instead of portraying disability as something that needs to be, quote, cured fixed or overcome disability is intersectional so the collection will in intentionally include representation across age ethnicity sexual orientation <coughs> gender identification socioeconomic religion and culture with a focus on traditionally underrepresented groups end quote so there you go well i mean it sounds pretty on paper so we'll see how it comes out i mean i'm, I'm willing to keep an open mind about it but I can't help but think that every other time someone has said something like that, it usually doesn't turn out that way. Now, but don't you feel like the, even the fact that this is happening, though, it's it's a positive. I mean, it's somebody somewhere, they're taking steps to, again, like make disability more visible um, and stand starting conversations about about it yeah and i think that's you know one of the big benefits to this article yeah. and you hear a lot more about it in hollywood right now too a lot more yeah. disability actors are saying you know get the people with disabilities portraying the roles yeah. and lead roles no i, I do so. i do think that it is a positive um the fact that this dialogue is being opened up in the first place because it's been a long time since anything like this happened um, yeah one one other thing i would point out just looking at these uh, these images that are here there is not one non-caucasian Oh, is that right? Not one. Oh. <laughs> See, so they have a point. Come yeah. on, Getty. I mean, this is. I mean, this is an interesting section of of the article as well. Listen to this. Getty Images customer search data shows that the significant desire for high quality modern images that accurately represent people with disabilities. Global search data from 2016 to 2017 indicates that searches for quote wheelchair access increased 371 percent year-over-year year on GettyImages.com. Additionally, disabled worker was up 254%, autism awareness was up 196%, and deafness was up 144%. So people are searching for these these images. Yeah. Well, and I think and there, even, so there's a demand for it. So, I mean, there is a bit of a business case for this as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it's, I think it's a <clears> snowball <throat> effect too, right? You know, in the last year, you know, Google has definitely put a great big push on accessibility in Google Maps. So there's been a big push in accessibility overall in the last couple of years. And sure, yeah. more and more people are searching for accessibility yeah. and wheelchair access and yeah. the, those specific terms. Yeah. You know, for as much as, as we made a joke out of, say, that, you know, the disability emojis, I mean, I think that if you look at, at everything as a big picture over the past six months we've had uh, we've had micro we've, we've we've had big picture we've, i saw what you did there <laughs> <laughs> Boom. uh you know we, we we have we have you know the that we have things like xbox live um allowing you know dis, um disability related avatars for their for their xbox live System. Then they come out with a uh, you know an adaptive controller. Mm -hmm. uh, we have this happening. 
Um, all these things together is, it, you know, they're all building and they're all working together to make accessibility and, you know, and these communities more visible and and to you know allow them to to enter into these things that that normally they haven't been able to so i think it's incredibly incredibly valuable and, and yeah, i think no, it, I, I agree i agree as, as much as i was kidding about it i do think that i think if there's anywhere to spread disability awareness is the internet or at least to start the conversation anyway yep. i don't think it should stay there um but i think it's a good platform to start and getty images given how many people search on it on a regular basis, I think is a great place to go. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it, part of the power of that too is, oh well, there you go. Sorry, I just found three blind mice. <laughs> How did they get the sunglasses on those little guys? They must have glued them. Photoshop. Glued them on. Hmm, I don't know where I was going with that. And the world will be a better place. See, this is another reason we got to stop doing Monday shows. Ryan's, Ryan's always grumpy on Mondays. <laughs> Not grumpy. You are grumpy. Not grumpy. You are grumpy. No, I'm giving you my opinions on these articles. Yeah, your opinions always like. Shut up, Rob. <laughs> See. <laughs> so I'm on. I'm on, all... I'm on page ten of Getty Getty Images. Uh, <laughs> oh, madly. And, and, and it seems, according to Getty Images here, that the only people who are blind or visually impaired are either Caucasian or Asian. There, there is no representation of any other skin tone huh. in any of these images. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. See, I, yeah, so they so have I think, a point. Yeah, they have a point. There, there's definitely, yeah. uh, you know, under. Oh no, there's a cartoon black kid with one eye. A cartoon. Oh, now you're getting into go. multiple problems there. Boy, oh boy. Oh jeez. Yeah. Ridiculous. Of course, I've also found a one-eyed Chihuahua. So. <laughs> yeah. Very, uh, well, I'm glad to see very, the very interesting <laughs> the one-eyed Chihuahua huh? community being represented. There, there is there is diversity there. Visually impaired Chihuahuas need reps too, apparently. Clearly, I got to stop scrolling through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, you got like 33 <laughs> so, more pages. To so go. hypnotic. All right, let's talk about something else. Okay, right. let's let's move on. Uh, hey, did you hear about this gala thing? What gala thing? Yes. Uh, this is new technology that is about to revolutionize Broadway, Steve. Really now? Yeah. So there's a new app, and it's called Gala Pro, and it is an alternative for both <coughs> on-demand closed captioning and audio description to anyone with a smartphone. Uh, it uses multiple recognition software to actually cue and track what is happening on stage, and if the show stops, it stops. So it's 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 for live theater, essentially. Um it's uh, you know think of uh, you know Vocali you know here locally we have a we have an organization um, called Vocali that uh, that audio describes live theater. This is actually an app that that will do that. Okay, and it sounds like they actually sounds like there's some networking component here because they it says that presenters upload the final script and connects the system to the house soundboard using pre-programmed light and sound cues as backup. That's right. So that's that's interesting because it makes it sound like anybody who's presenting a show could potentially just say, "Hey, here's the script." Someone take care of the rest. That's right. Yeah, it's um, you know, which which kind of which I think is really great because that kind of gets rid of the need to rewrite descriptive uh, scripts. That's right. If you if you look at, I mean, Vocalize does this and probably other live description people do this too they have to watch the show first and then rewrite the script yeah. and then add in whatever they need to add 
So I think being able to just give <clears throat> your final script as a presenter, if you're willing to do it, would make things a lot more streamlined than it is right now. Now, you would still want to have somebody who specializes in audio description go in and go through that script because just having a script from Les Mis isn't going to tell you, you know, the, the flowing gown is, you know, black and, you know, it's not going to give you the descriptive part of the scenes. It's just going to give you probably the dialogue of the uh, play. No, actually, scripts will give you, as someone who did theater, scripts actually do go into a lot of detail about that kind of thing. Um, so it'll tell you that somebody is wearing a flowing white gown and walking into walking into the courtroom or you know whatever hall um in a specific style of walk so it does it does actually go in detail like that okay cool steve bring it to vocal uh well you know i think I think this is positive because it, mm -hmm. it does make uh, both the audio and the captioning much, much more accessible, just yeah. in, just in general. Um, but I, I think I think you're right, Ryan. I think you know just in terms of the richness of description, I, I think you would probably find it inferior to a, a live described um, event. Yeah, probably. With, unless with you, again, unless you know, like Ryan said, you had someone who was specialized in audio description go in and actually add and modify it to what they needed it to be yeah and not only that um i mean there, there's also a lot of applications to this system even beyond the accessibility component which would be um f you know for for mainstream people for having you who are having trouble um understanding mm -hmm. uh some of the dialogue um for um yeah they said that captioning right so yeah it's closed captioning which would make it especially for people who might not have english as the first language that's right that's exactly it you could have yeah. multilingual um, um I, work, I work with international students all the time so this would be something like that i could see as a huge benefit to people who can just pull their phones out and actually look at what's being said Yes, and they say now that Broadway is on board, there are infinite possibilities in terms of scale, audience development, and artist innovation. The well, especially especially with theater. I mean, if you if you can convince Broadway, that's right. It's just going to trickle right down to to everyone yeah. else, and soon this could be just something that's that's uh, everywhere. I mean, especially you know when it's when you're developing an app, and and anyone with a smartphone can can take advantage of it. Yeah, uh, you know, it's this is something that potentially could really. Uh, spread like wildfire and and you know uh, live live event description has been you know a real issue for a long time you know that's yeah. that's normally been something that that people with visual impairments and you know hearing impairments just have not really been able to enjoy yeah so um you know, without without you know great organizations like say Vocali, for example. Mm -hmm. But uh, but you know Vocali, you know that's a, a, a really expensive endeavor. Yeah. You know, to have trained audio describers like that, and you know, and even then they can only do certain performances, mm -hmm. and it's it's very limited. So a system like this, it could be a real game changer. Yeah, and you know, like I I, I spoke to Steph from Vocali before, and. I forget what musical was coming to town. I don't know whether it was Cats or Grease or something, but it's only here for two weeks. So, you know, that doesn't 
that run doesn't give Vocali enough time to go in, study the you know, the scripts, the costume design, mm -hmm. the lighting, all that sort of stuff. Well, and, and, and that's, that's what I mean by do, saying right? that so if, if presenters like can just upload their scripts, mm -hmm. <clears throat> that, would, that would speed up the process a lot more. Even if they do, you know, they, they probably will have to make final edits and additions and whatnot. But just having the original production ready script, I think, would speed up the process by a whole lot. Yeah, and probably open the door to a lot more shows. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. I'm, you know, hopefully, I mean, it looks like the the app is out. Um, I haven't, uh, I haven't actually gone to the any of the Play Stores to actually see if it's available. But it's called Gala Pro. Um, we'll of course link it in the show notes. And uh, any of you that are interested, you can go check it out and let us know your thoughts if you try it. Yep. And if like you us have on the like, chance to go to Broadway. Road trip on Broadway. Can, can we? Can we all go just to? Just to try? Just to try it? You think we... Sure, Steve. You got some points left on your... <laughs> nope. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Come on, Steve. Uh, okay. Hey, here is another article, fellas. Uh, An article? And... Beep, 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 beep. Woo! Yeah, this is... Again, this is really cool. Apple pushes to teach coding to students who are deaf and blind. Uh, yes. So, <clears throat> uh, on Thursday, Apple's CEO announced that the company is bringing its Everyone Can Code curricula for the Swift programming language to schools across the country that serve students who are deaf and blind. Only programmers would think that it's a good thing to create more programmers. <laughs> hey, we're, you know, frustrated and lack social skills. You should, too. <laughs> uh, Sorry to all the programmers out there. <laughs> The guy who just said that owns technology company. Just, That's right. Yeah. I, the I, irony is thick in here. I have programmed. I would rather shave my head with a cheese grater. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think you already have. <laughs> Am I looking a little rough today? <laughs> <laughs> you need to shave, sir. So, yeah, basically, um, they're, I'm trying to see if they're, they're actually building specific lessons that tailor to... But it doesn't look like it. All it talks Sounds about like is, voice, is voiceover. It does talk about a curriculum. It does mention a curriculum. It only says it once. But I'm not sure if that... Yeah, it says Apple uses... Uh, Apple says the participating schools will tailor lessons using accessibility technology the company has baked into the iPhone and other products covering people with vision, hearing... Uh, physical motor cognitive okay. or other so assistive it, it, needs. it sounds like it sounds like the lessons are going to be tailored by each organization and not apple yeah either that or they're just or they're just going to be using things like uh, voiceover and there's you know <clears throat> they, they they list here um the different schools california school for the blind california school for the deaf texas school for the blind perkins school for the all blind all the big ones perkins. oh yeah pretty much all the big ones yeah Actually, it actually it literally is all the big ones right now. Yeah. You know, so I imagine it is a specific <laughs> curriculum that they've built specifically for for specific specific. Say specific again. Specifically bro. for Shut specific. Up. <laughs> <laughs> Could you be more specific? I think we need a Getty image for Rob. I hate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Specific specificity is a hard thing. I've been watching. <laughs> I watch CNN a lot. I watch a lot of Trump speeches so that I can roll my eyes. And repetition right. seems to work for him. So. <laughs> That's diversion. No collusion. No collusion. There was definitely no collusion in my collusion. 
Ernie Collusion. <laughs> Not much else to say about that other than, you know, again, another step in the right direction. It's cool. it's great to see, um, you know, uh, this this type of training extending yeah. into um, people who have might have visual impairments or are deaf. I mean, it, it, it's a no-brainer. Not like there aren't enough blind programs already, you know, but could well, always use more, right? There might be one or two. Yeah, maybe. Okay, Ryan, did you have a chance to look at this new app that I that I sent you about uh, called Smart Braille? I didn't download it, but I read the article. So I actually did have the chance to look at it. Yay. Oh, okay, excellent. See, somebody did their homework. Woo-hoo. Yeah, because we need to have you on the podcast I'm more. Well, I mean, if you want to have me on more. We, um, we just may after this. Not, We're not sure, replace, not sure if Steve replace could, Ryan. Not sure if Steve could handle me for that long. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. After no worries. Okay, um, yeah. So tell us, tell us a little bit. So what was your experience? So, so give us, give us a nutshell of what what the okay. what the app is. So Smart Braille is kind of like the. Well, I mean, right now it's still limited, but it's 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 kind of trying to be the competitor for Seeing Eye in that it's or seeing ai sorry in the in the sense that it's trying to be the ocr app that they want everybody to go to um and object identification is i think eventually in the plans but right now um the app is limited to uh text recognition and braille input um, I didn't actually try the Braille input, but I it, it's I looked at it for a second, and I it's it's kind of a weird layout. So what they did is they they arranged it the the way the Braille keyboard is instead of the kind of the V shape that's on the I O that's on iOS. Um, they have the dots lined up vertically, so right. kind of how kind of like how you would look at a full cell normally. Um, so you have one, two, three on the left side going down, and then four, five, six on the right. Right. Um, so depending on who you are, you might like that or you might hate it. I'm not a big fan of it, personally. Um, I preferred using the Embryo keyboard on my iPhone with the piano design, which is similar to a Perkins. That worked best for me. Um, and right now, it's also kind of clunky in the sense that it doesn't register quick multi-finger taps as well as it should um and the developers have said that's not because of the phones that's actually because of the way they designed the app um but they want to word from them is that they want to focus on the text recognition and ocr functionality first right um to incorporate multiple languages and eventually um auto translation as well so right now you can't and right now you also can't actually save the text um that you scan you can only read it um but they're working on an update that's supposed to be coming out in a week or two that's supposed to let you copy things to the report um until they actually come up with a save feature yeah, that's right. I mean, it is it is literally like version 1.0. Like this, yes. it's it's very it literally new. just came out last week. Yeah. So for anybody jumps on it, and it's a work in progress. It's yeah. well, absolutely, and you know, it's a fantastic start. Yes. Um, you, you know, it's uh, so this could this could be a really really good um, you know, Braille option for yep. for uh, Android. 
Yeah, because right now the only thing that's on Android is soft braille keyboard, and that's kind of fiddly. Uh, you know, the the way the way kind of the rest of Android accessibility is, but it's a good solution. But if they can get this working, um, you know, like you said earlier, the way at the beginning, um, more options are always better. So right. So yeah, I anybody who's who's looking for for. Uh, a braille um, option on Android. I'd, I'd highly recommend giving this a try. It's free, of course. So uh, can, can can we do a podcast one time where you give Ryan and I free reign to talk about how awesome Android is? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Well, Steve and Rob are Android users now too. Yeah, I love, okay, I love you some Android. Yeah, we all made the switch. Yep, it's a it's a good app, um, but it's yeah, it's it's definitely still there's definitely still stuff to be done, but at least they're, they're showing initiative and they're willing to work on things and take feedback. So that always helps. So let me ask you, Clement, going from using the, the, the soft braille keyboard or whatever it was called on iOS and the piano style layout, what did you like about that versus having the two columns on Android? Well, I, I like, I like the Embryo piano design because it's very, it basically mirrors a Perkins, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is basically the standard for every Braille note taker ever. Um, <clears throat> even the Braille, you know, the Braille sense and the Braille notes, even the latest ones, their Braille keyboards are relatively straight. Mm-hmm. Um, you, actually, I haven't seen a Polaris yet, but you know, like, the, you sure dots two and five might be a little bit elevated compared to everything else. But it's still relatively straight, um, which I like because that's what my muscle memory is used to. Right. Um, I'm not as big a fan of the inverted V shape, and I don't really know why they went with that. So didn't you still, though, have to make some adjustments in you know, scanning or swiping on the screen to find the button that you wanted to actually press? So like if you wanted to type the letter H... You still had to swipe over to dot one, dot two, and dot five, whether it's no, vertical or horizontal. Don't. No. So in Embraille, the way because uh, the Apple iPhone, uh, at least you know since the six, because of the bigger screen, it allows for up to five fingers. Okay. Um, you can actually the, the dots are actually arranged physically on the screen, the way they would be, and it what what happens when you load it is it bypasses voiceover. Right. Um, so it bypasses that la- that command layer, and it goes straight back to um, direct operation of the actual screen. So mm-hmm. if you tap something, that's what will come out. Um, so with Embraille, it was nice because if you put two fingers over dot one and four and hit it the way you would normally on a keyboard, that the letter C would come up. Right. Um, so that was really handy for me. Um, and just, again, I like... You know, again, muscle muscle memory because the Perkins has been what I've been what I what I started using since I was a kid, and I wasn't really comfortable with that whole the, the way the app the way Apple redesigned Braille screen and put the V shape. Right. So I guess we'll have to try the Android version and just see kind of how how people adopt it. Yeah, um, and it's you know pe- people have been people have been using soft Braille keyboard, which is the one on Android, for. Ever mm-hmm. because that's kind of established as the best Braille input option. Um, but if hey, if Smart Braille gets improved on, it might it might phase out Soft Braille. It so could it, be a contender. That's right. It could. 
So with software on Android, can you still do like the, the multi-finger? Can you still do, you know, the, the dot yes, one, you, dot four? Yes, yes, you can. Yeah. Um, but again, it's, I, I, I haven't looked into it, but I believe it's only one dot configuration. There aren't multiple ones. Embrail for me is still the best virtual Braille keyboard in existence, um, at least on iOS. Right. Uh, because it basically lets you configure them more or less however you want. Actually, you do have that vertical configuration that Smart Braille uses right now. Uh, that was one of the options that you could get. Just letting these guys get their, get all the Braille out. <laughs> <laughs> Braille is good. It's been yeah, a long time since we did a Braille show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Next up. Next. You know what? I think this will be our last story because uh, we're running, we're yeah, running you long. Have like 25 stories this week. Ah, uh, you know what? Yes, because I'm a professional. I know. No, you know, let's talk about this um, Astrosom. This is bizarre. This is just a bit weird. Did you actually listen to the sound clip? This actually is kind of weird. Did you actually listen to the sound clip? Any of you? No, I didn't. It's just weird. Is it? It's very, very bizarre. Okay, let me set this up. So Astrosom, which is short for Astronomy Sound of the Month, is a website uh, that was created that incorporates astronomy data into computerized music compositions. So it, it essentially touts itself as making outer space accessible for blind people. Uh, so the way it works is it maps the phases of gas to instruments and then aligns the velocities of these gases to different pitches of a minor pentatonic blues scale uh, that results in... How would you describe this music? Why don't you bring up a sample? I've got some gas. <laughs> bring it up on the on computer and play a sample. Because uh, it, it's basically MIDI notes. It's MIDI music is what it is. Yeah. And it's... I don't know. I listened to the first... The, the one and only sound clip I found on the Milky Way Galaxy. And it was like, I, this is doing nothing for me. This is just a, an astrophysicist with too much time on his hands. But yeah. for some people, it might work, you know. But I mean, they, me should, didn't. they should just take it like this and like instead like apply it to like Led Zeppelin music. Like <laughs> so let's, let's hear the sound clip. Yeah, play the sound clip. Well, okay. Let's put it up to the mic there. Play through the computer. It'll come through the Zoom room. That's way too complicated, dude, for a Monday. Let's bring up a web browser. Wait, is this going <laughs> Wait, we can, we can do it through the web browser. Yeah. Hey. Do it through it. Ryan, you're, Why you're do such a your professional. Phone? Okay, no, I'm saying you're a professional. You're, where, where are we going? Uh, Astrosom.com. So I clicked on the Milky Way Blues, and right now all it's giving me is a very, very long description that I don't really want to hear. Yeah, I don't think that's... that's no, there is an audio for. file there. there. Listen to the sound of our galaxy rotating. Can you guys hear the Milky Way rotating? No. The louder the music and the closer the gases are or something and the quieter the farther away. You know, I think this could be actually pretty good with the right chemical inducing <laughs> uh, material. This is, this is like hallucinogenic. <laughs> I could, I could, I could get into this. That's quite enough of that. Um, I, I, I want to, sh- I, I want to share this other one with you too. This came up on Facebook the other day. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is that the Rob's version of the flugelhorn? No, that's a, that, <laughs> that Led Zeppelin song. I can't go that high, though. Oh, that one. All right. Uh, yeah, okay, so so along with uh, uh, along with that same theme here, somebody has taken the map of the world, and they've um, they've they've put it into point form, and they've assigned notes to oh, really? the points on the map. Oh boy! So what you're going to hear is you're going to hear the world being played uh, from North America, moving uh, eastward. Uh, You'll you'll hear a bit of a pause and, and a little pink when it hits Iceland, and uh, and then it'll carry on. So oh, this is gonna, cool. Okay, I'm gonna play here. Uh, just wondered, do we have this to listen to an ad first? No, no, there we go. That's Alaska. Yeah. Across North America. Iceland. Across the Atlantic. Okay, now I don't, I don't, I don't think I want that keyboard player in my band. That's true. Oh <laughs> uh, Lord, no, that's uh, well, that's interesting. I wonder why someone did that. Yeah, I think uh, you'd be hard pressed to get get meaningful information mm-hmm. from that. Uh, you know, uh, audiographing can be useful. Sure, absolutely. But when you're trying to encode that many different levels yeah. of information into yeah. audio. Um, it would uh, it would take some pretty supreme audio processing skills to be able to pull meaning out of that. Sure. Too much time on your hands. What? Exactly. Yeah. Good old yeah, sticks. Yeah, I agree. No. Well. You, well. This is. I don't know. For, for a couple of blind guys, let me ask you. Like, did you guys get anything out of the, out of either no. of those things? Like, so do we give this guy points for trying? I, yeah. I yeah. I think, like Steve said. You know the audio processing part of it. If you, if they used the same instruments to res- resemble the the gases moving out or gases moving closer to you, farther from you, same sounds for circling, same sounds for each effect. Over time, you would learn to associate that instrument sound with whatever movement is happening. Yeah. But you know, it's just like you know, for me being totally blind if you hand me a tactile picture of north america to me it's just going to be a whole bunch of lines but over time i'll learn to figure out okay this is you know alaska this is wyoming this is idaho yeah so i think in time you would learn to adapt but yeah i i would agree with that but i think like i i think without more advanced audio processing again like steve said you would need a lot of skill to convey that information to somebody purely through audio yeah there was um, there was an app the last solar eclipse we had there was an yeah. app that that came out and actually had audio sequences or, or an audio representation of the eclipse as it passed over the sky so that somebody who was blind would be able to hear really what was going on yeah. I forget what that was what was called but interesting ah oh, jeez um, I'm gonna 
do a search for that right now. Hold on a second. Because it's going to bother me if I don't remember the name of this app. <laughs> Tony, we need, we need to have this guy on the podcast all the time. He's a go-getter. I like him. <laughs> That's supposed uh, to me. Uh, we, were, we, were, we would just be like, eh, well, whatever. I guess we don't remember it. <laughs> I'll just edit that part out. That went nowhere. <laughs> uh, keep talking. Uh, too much like, time on my hands. There it goes. There I got it. I had some coffee. It's better. That's what I want the Milky Way to sound like. Ah, it click, it, the Eclipse soundscape. That's yeah, there you go. Yes. Yes, I, I want I want the Milky Way to sound like the immigration song, too. Yeah. Funny. Um, yeah, well, so, I mean, you know, I think whenever, whenever anybody tries to develop something like this, I think it's a, yeah, I think it's great. I mean, sometimes it's going to work and sometimes yep. you know, not so great. So I think we got to give the guys some credit. You know, he's trying. He's trying to bring astronomy to, sure. you know, to, to blind people. Great. Why I not? I think I'd still rather hear actual you, space sounds. You might as well. Yeah, I think, you know, I'd rather just listen to Aerosmith. <laughs> I wonder if you actually did become really proficient in using that app and you actually were able to get, uh, you know, spatial information out of it, if it would ruin the way that you listen to songs. Because, you know, all of a sudden you're listening to Aerosmith and it's like, oh, he just described a radio. Uh, uh, two knobs, one on the left, one on the right. One's, one's halfway turned up. Uh, uh, all right. Have we said enough about that? Probably. Okay. Oh, hey, Ryan, did you hear about this, uh, this story lately about the Amazon Echo that sent... I did. Oh, it yeah. listened in on people oh, in the yeah. family's conversation and sent it to one of their contacts. I made a note that to talk about that. Yeah, that yep. that was interesting. And it's still in the news. Yes. Yep. People do not like that. Nope. Especially considering that it recorded a conversation about somebody and then sent that conversation to that person. Is that what That's happened? Little... Yes. Oh, I hope they were saying oh, nice thought, things about I them. know, right? Oh, I thought it just went to a random I'm contact. I'm pretty sure. Hold on. Let me read the article. Let's see. The uh, <clears throat> the wife. I, okay. Well, hold on. Well, let me just read the whole article. Uh-oh. Let me read the whole article. Okay. So the name of the article, Amazon Echo recorded and sent couples conversation all without their knowledge. As secret recordings go, the Portland couple's conversation was pretty mundane. They were talking about hardwood floors. Okay, so maybe I already got this wrong. Uh, But their Amazon Echo was listening and recorded their discussion. The device then sent the recording to somebody in their contacts without the couple's knowledge. Okay, so my my version of this story was way, way more scandalous. (laughs) But but it it could potentially happen. Sure. Uh, The wife identified only as Danielle. Uh, said that they learned something was amiss when they received a phone call from the husband's employee who lived in Seattle telling them what he had inadvertently received. He told them to unplug their Alexa devices right away. Danielle says she and her husband went around the house unplugging their devices, which they had in each room, controlling their home's temperature, lights, and security. So, yeah, weird, right? Um, weird. And here's, this is kind of even weirder. Here's what Amazon's explanation of it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Echo woke up due to a word in the background conversation sounding like Alexa. Which happens. Then the subsequent conversation was heard as a send message request, at which point How? Alexa said out loud, to whom? 
at which point the background conversation was interpreted as a name in the customer contact list. Alexa then asked out loud, contact name, right? Alexa then interpreted <clears throat> background conversation as right. <laughs> as unlikely as this string of events is, we are evaluating options to make this case even less likely. This sounds like bullcrap to me. I don't think that's so. That's a lot. Of, oh, come on. That's know, a lot of coincidences. No, just like your Google Home or your Amazon Echo, they <clears throat> do prompt you. Do you, are you sure you want to send this? And you usually say yes. So if it gathered that conversation as right, and it confirmed that, that was the confirmation. I don't, I don't, don't see if that's possible, right? <clears throat> Just like the Google Home and the Amazon Echo now, you don't have to constantly prompt it to do something. You can string phrases together now. Yeah, no, I understand that. But that's a lot of like things to line up. You don't, yeah. even, have and to, you don't if, even have if, to say if, Alexa. Like if I'm watching TV yeah. and they say the word Amanda or something similar, my Amazon Echo goes blink. Yeah, but that's and a now it's listening. But that's a problem. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's a problem. If, if Alexa's having that much trouble, like actually recognizing the proper I words. Agree. Yeah. Uh, now, now here's, here's the thing. Google, I, I like, I prefer Google Assistant because it's, there's no one word that triggers it. If you don't say, okay, Google, or hey, Google, or something before Google, chances are it won't trigger. Chances are that's true. Although well, mine has has triggered on, in weird occasions. I, I do have to make because I have a Google Home as well, and sometimes it does just kind of come on, and I'm like, w I didn't say anything. So, I, I mean, I think all these devices have their twitches. Mm. Oh sure, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, definitely. I, I listen to uh, audiobooks a lot in the car. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I'm driving, and I've had three or four times now, uh, my my phone <laughs> triggered by something that's in the audiobook, yeah. and it's not saying, sounds like Google. Yeah, it's not saying it, but it, it's it's similar it's enough. Similar enough that it it yeah. triggers it. Well, wasn't there an article a few weeks back about how they were the warning? Subliminal messages. Yeah, they, and, they were warning. Yeah, not subliminal, but the, the uh, <laughs> well, frequencies. You know, that frequency. Can hear. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. there, there are frequencies out there that we actually can't hear that will trigger these devices yeah. because uh, it just it it's it matches the the wake word. Yep. Huh. So they're saying that you know potentially you know people could hackers, not even hackers, marketers, sure, advertisers on TV. You know, yeah, you're just sit, sitting watching TV, and, and all of a sudden, your yeah. your Amazon's you're automatically buying things you didn't even know existed. Yep, that's cool. why I have my auto shopping turned off on all my devices because I work with a bunch of idiots <laughs> 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 who will be loading my Amazon shopping cart on a weekly basis. <laughs> hey, Rob, I think we've got a whole new project. I think so. <laughs> Where do, where's the where's the where's the shopping button? <laughs> Turn on. <laughs> Change password. <laughs> It'd be like, yeah, Ryan, you know, why did you order assless chaps? <laughs> <laughs> Halloween's coming. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Oh, boy. Yep. That's kind of... No, that's kind of kind of creepy once you start thinking about it. That's very creepy. Ryan well, and sure. assless chaps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that too. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. Uh, I mean, this is a real big... I don't know. It, it seems like a real way too many things lining up for this to happen that I wouldn't yeah. have thought is possible. So I, I would, I would also say that. And I would say it's interesting because the Google Assistant hasn't had that problem yet. Not yet. And let's yet. hope it, it doesn't. That we're aware of. 
but that's but that's what I'm saying, right? Is that out of the two, and considering Amazon's explanation combined with the fact that Alexa had this problem first, that 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 raises an alarm or two for me. Well, and I actually wonder, and I'm just thinking about this now. I'm wondering if the same thing would have happened if the owner of the Amazon Echo device would have changed the name of their Echo because you can change it to Amazon Alexa or Echo or computer. Right. So if they, you know, obviously they left it as the keyword Alexa. Sorry, everybody, we just triggered your devices 15 times. But if they had changed it to... I'm not sure about that. If we had changed it to (laughs) Echo or computer, if the same thing would have happened. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They might, maybe they might have to... Uh, who knows? I, know. I mean, yeah. I mean, really, you know, they're they're talking about making it so that you don't even need to say a wake word, right? Um, you know, they're that's they're they're actively working on that, yeah. and I don't know how that's going to work, but yeah. So, you know, it seems to be th- this whole issue seems to be pu- like sort of pushing and pulling in different directions. People want, you know, more privacy, but they want the convenience, but of not convenience, having to turn it on and, and, and so yeah. how are they going to? You know, how are they going to sort of bring those two things together? It's it's uncertain. Well, this will be an excellent conversation for one of our upcoming shows on AI and ethics. Ooh. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? I almost, I almost want to be back for that. <laughs> well, you, you, you're more than welcome to. Who, who? When is that? June 4th. June 4th. There you go. Uh, all right. Let me see. Uh, well, I think, you know, I think we've said everything that uh, we can say about that. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know if I if I had an, uh, an, an Amazon Echo. I mean, I wouldn't be panicking. No, because uh, all this stuff, you know, you can go in, you can you can go into your settings and your history, and you can see exactly what mm-hmm. conversations have been recorded. I mean, this sounds like a a pretty big glitch, um, and I'm sure you know with the publicity that this article is getting. No. Conspiracy um, theories are going to jump. Conspiracy theorists are going to jump all over it. Yeah, well, I don't think I don't think these these digital assistants are. I don't think you're going to find one in any conspiracy theorist's house. No, they're going to be way too. But I mean, I, I think in general, I mean, this they'll get better at at plugging these types of, of yeah, holes because sure. people these are going to freak out about it. But yeah. that would be that would have been so great if they yeah. were like crap talking one of their friends and then it sent <laughs> sent the conversation like. Be like evil Alexa. Yep. See, yeah. It triggered it. That would be Talk about so vindictive. funny. Yeah. When, you're, when your digital assistant turns against you. <laughs> I'm going to order a $170 screwdriver. <laughs> and I'm going to email all your contacts about that thing that you did on Saturday night after you drank too much tequila. <laughs> well... Careful around your devices, folks. That's right. Don't, don't piss them, them off. Accident. Exactly. They're listening to you. One more thing yep. we can add about the Google Assistant or the Google Home um, is that now you can actually, if you're making a phone call using your Google Home and you get into an, a menu that says press one for this, press two for that, three for whatever, you can actually use your voice now to get through those menus. Yeah, I heard Google about Home. that. Yeah. So new new benefit. Sure. I'm just waiting. I just I just want that. Uh, duplex. Duplex. Duplex where it could just make phone calls for me. Uh, it's coming. If I can, if I can get him to, to answer the phone when my boss calls, that'd be even better. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Steve. <laughs> Stop screwing yes, around. Get Rob I'll, on the line. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I will get right on that. 
Right away. <laughs> Tell him he's fired. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Um, hey, Ryan. We're up. Where can people find us? As usual, atbanter.com. They can also drop us a line, atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, hey, Steve, where else can people find us? Hey, Rob, so glad you asked. We can be found on Twitter, we can be found on Facebook, and we can be found on Instagram. Marvelous. Yay for all the blind people. <laughs> uh, where, uh, where can people find Canadian Assistive Technology these days? You can find us at uh, www.canastech.com. Sorry, I was just about to do Rick's. Uh, <laughs> well, speaking of Rick's, where can people find uh, Chaos Technical Services? Well, they can find that at <clears throat> chaostechnicalservices.com. It's that, it's that easy. It is that easy. It is that easy. Yeah. Uh, hey, Clement. Yes. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it was it was uh, it was great to have you here. Wait a sec. My pleasure. Wait a sec. It was wait, very wait, wait, very wait, wait. good after hearing so many podcasts to finally be on one. Wait, wait you listen to this thing? Uh, well, yeah. Okay, might. that's what I thought. Wait, 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 wait. wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Back the show what? up. Back. Okay. Every show for the last two years, we have asked our guests. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Oh, yeah, that's right. And we didn't ask Clement. <gasps> what? Oh, we didn't. No. We yeah, didn't. you're right. We didn't. We, we got... Okay. So, Mr. Clement, sir. Yes. Is there anything you would like to plug? Is there anything I would like to plug? Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, what, what, are you, what are you up to these days? Well, um, for those in the community who know Johnny Ty and myself, we have been uh, trying to break ground with a brainchild called Night Strike Self-Defense, which is a... Um, program currently in its infancy for developing martial arts training or being more of a gateway to introducing martial arts to people who are visually impaired really? uh, because we recognize the fact that not everybody some people might enjoy martial arts films and might want to do it but aren't always confident enough to go to an actual school and say hey I want to try um, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to teach that <clears throat> We're not, we're not teaching a new style and we're not teaching an adaptive program. We're just providing an uh, entrance to different styles that we both do and uh, show blind people that it is possible. And if they do want to get into martial arts, it's good to find a place in their own area. Um, we just provide kind of an introduction to that whole other alternate world of fitness because that's definitely one way to be healthy. Um, even if you're not doing it for self-defense reasons, it's just a lot of fun. And hey, it's always nice to have an excuse to horse around with other people and learn, <laughs> how, to, and learn, and learn how to do it properly. Now, now, uh, in, so do you guys have a space that you do the same? Like, how, where, where can people find out more information? Well, if currently, um, right now, we um, because our attendance isn't quite as far as far up as we'd like to keep it regular. Um, so usually, we rent out. Um, the space where Johnny trains when we need it. Um, but if we can get it regularly somewhere, uh, it would be nice to have a regular space, but for that we need a regular group. So for anybody who's interested, they can contact Johnny, um, johnnytiger at shaw.ca. They can also find us on Facebook at Night Strike Self-Defense. And they can also email me. And Ryan has my email address. Uh, but for those who don't, it's chow, C-H-O-U, dot, clement, at gmail.com, because I'm not professional enough to have it. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not really ones to judge. Nope. <laughs> uh, well, you know, and we'll be sure to include all those links in our show notes as well. That's awesome. I, I, I had no idea that you were actually doing that, and we probably should have talked more about that at the, at the top of the show. Well, I mean, if okay. you ever do, if you wanted to, if you ever want to do a joint interview about martial arts with Johnny and I, technically it's not AT, but you know, hey. no, it's but it's a, yeah, boy, yeah. Listen, we we pretty cool though. It is, yeah. Wait, and, now his and, and we're we're really more weighted towards talking about cool stuff. So yeah, and okay, and, cool, and we'll cool, talk cool about anything. Yeah. Uh, wait, is his is his name name really Johnny Tiger? Johnny Ty. Johnny Ty. Oh damn it! That'd be so cool. <laughs> but he always growls whenever he says his Johnny name. Johnny Tiger. So he says, "What's your name, Johnny Ty?" <laughs> <laughs> Just to show you how angry he is. That's right. All the time. Furious, yeah. Mister Furious. Uh, all right. So now we got that. Uh, I guess we're done. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, boys, shall we get out of here? Well, okay. Sounds like a good idea. And a successful new show once again. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in. Um, and. 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 and no. <laughs> <laughs> One last time. Wish I knew the words to that song. That's the only part that's, I really that's, that's know. All, that's that all is the words. No, I, well, the rest of it, though. Like ice and snow. It's in my jukebox. You can probably find it and play it. Yeah. Let's not. Send us a cease and desist letter. <laughs> that's right. Get a copyright strike on our YouTube Woo-hoo, channel. We're popular. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're noticed now. That's right. We made it. <laughs> All right. We're out of here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Clement. And yep, thanks, uh, we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.